Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Season 4 Episode 37 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Please listen to Season 4, Episode 36 for Part 1 of this two-part case. Listener caution is advised as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. Sally Challen was found guilty of murdering her husband Richard in 2010, but over the intervening years, much was changing in the outside world. There were amendments to the domestic abuse laws in England and Wales, introduced under the 2015 Serious Crime Act, specifically coercive control. Coercive or controlling behaviour does not relate to a single incident. It is a persistent pattern of incidents that occur over time in order for one individual to exert power, control or coercion over another. Abuse cannot always be quantified by bruises and broken bones. While Sally never denied that she killed her husband, what was becoming clear, the whole truth had not been disclosed at the trial. Family members who were interviewed spoke of how Sally Challen, who met Richard when she was a teenager, was a target of constant psychological abuse from her husband. Sally Challen was raised the youngest of five siblings, born in Walton-on-Thames in 1954, 
having four older brothers who were in their teens when she appeared. A father who was a brigadier in the Royal Engineers passed away when Sally was only young, so she was raised by her mother in Surrey. Being brought up in a somewhat antiquated family, her brothers steadily carved out successful careers, while Sally was simply expected to find a menial job, then a husband, then have children. During her teenage years, she met Richard Challen in the newsagents where she worked part-time. He came across as sophisticated. He seemed worldly, dressed in a three-piece suit for his job working as a salesman. He was a car fanatic, following in his father's footsteps who was a motoring correspondent for the news of the world. Sally was in love and now devoted to an older boyfriend who, to all that knew him, was charming and charismatic. She was often seen at his flat, cleaning up after him. Sally's mother wasn't keen on Richard, so Sally was sent to finishing school and briefly out of the country. Still, the couple kept in contact. In subsequent interviews, Sally recounted how she was aware even then of Richard's desire to sleep with other women. After one romantic liaison between the couple, Sally fell pregnant in her late teens. She opted not to continue with the pregnancy. Her brothers, who had accompanied her through the procedure, spoke to Richard though they were bluntly told by him that the baby could have been anyone's. He abdicated all responsibility. At the time, he had no plans to be a father. Sally was aware Richard was seeing someone else, so confronted him about it, only to be violently assaulted. She was dragged by the hair and thrown down the stairs. She didn't leave. Sally loved Richard and couldn't bear to be without him. The couple married when Sally was in her mid-twenties. Life from the outside seemed idyllic. Richard ran a successful car showroom and the couple had two sons, privately educated, who Sally doted over. The family travelled to Disneyland in Florida, Marbella in Spain. Sally also received lavish gifts, but noticed that this was simply only to show how much money Richard had. As they developed into teenagers, Richard also began to ignore his two boys. If they were talking, hoping to get their father's attention, Richard turned up the volume on the television. When Sally sought work, starting a career in the office of the Police Federation, Richard's insults became a constant in their marriage. He was controlling, not only financially, but told Sally how to behave and told her who she was allowed to speak to. Continual negative remarks about Sally's appearance were almost ceaseless, with Sally the brunt of Richard's jokes whenever the couple had company. If anyone would compliment her on her looks, perhaps she had lost weight. Her husband would tell them, that they didn't have to see her naked. Sally had no template of a healthy, loving relationship, so the verbal insults seemed par for the course. Sally was ordered to wash, as Richard told her she smelt, and he secreted mobile phones away which he used to contact other women 
Some of these devices were found after his death. When Sally questioned him, Richard told her she was drinking too much. Sally felt depressed. She wasn't eating and did end up drinking to medicate herself. She was not only psychologically tortured by her husband throughout their relationship, but in yet another horrifying incident, she was raped by her husband during the late 90s. This assault was punishment for Sally being kissed by one of Richard's acquaintances while the couple were on holiday with friends. It was an innocent goodnight hug, followed by what has been reported as a peck on the cheek, which Richard just so happened to walk in on. Her sons were sleeping in the same property. This traumatic event wasn't the only incident but one in a string of abuses suffered at the hands of a husband whose constant infidelity was never to be questioned. Also during several Christmases, Richard, who thought highly of himself, sent out cards to family and friends that pictured him leaning on his Ferrari sports car next to several women who were topless, barely dressed. In spite of the abuse... Sally was a loving mother to two boys who did not have a bad word to say about her, even after she had taken the life of their father. In fact, there seemed to be nothing negative anyone could say about their mother before the incident in August 2010. Following several public speaking events about his parents' relationship and his mother's sentence, David Shall and Sally's son appeared on ITV news and talk show Good Morning Britain to raise awareness about his mother's plight. He said, No one is taking away the fact that my mother killed my father, but she needs to be justly tried. Recognising the issue now and recognising the social issue in this country where mental abuse needs to be taken more seriously. Detailing how his parents met, David went on to say, It's important to state that my mother met my father when she was 15 and he was 22. Her father died when she was five and her brothers were at university at the time, so the male influence in her life was initially from my father and parameters were set early on with an infidelity. David, who along with his brother felt their mother was also a victim due to the long-term abuse their mother suffered. In the TV interview, he addressed his mother's mental state and his father's actions. Quote, I think 16 to 56 you've got a pressure cooker going on of a world that's built around him, and she only knows one relationship, and she can't diagnose it and I think a lot of people in this country are in a similar situation. She would try to keep track of phone records, print them out and present them to him. He would say, you're making it up, you're going crazy. She caught him in a brothel once red-handed and it confirmed her beliefs. David added, The last thing I said to him was a torrent of abuse about how his words were verbally and mentally destroying my mother. Obviously it's been difficult. It's an alien thing to look at. She has coped as well as can be. With the changes in the law regarding coercive and controlling behaviour, 
and details of how Richard Challen's actions towards his wife were not presented to the jury during Sally's initial trial. There was a groundswell of support from campaigners to see her conviction downgraded from murder to manslaughter. A group called Justice for Women began to campaign to have this new evidence submitted. Sally had contacted the organisation in 2012, asking for help. Arid Wistrich, who was now acting on behalf of Sally and was the co-founder for the group campaigning for her release, described Sally as very much the submissive person in the relationship. It was an extremely psychologically controlling relationship in which she was not allowed to question him. What's important about this case is that normally we see domestic violence uh, as, as, as physical violence. That's how, how people generally perceive it, as black eyes and broken arms and so on. Uh, and, and this case really is showing how it's not just single acts of physical violence. Uh, a, a coercive and controlling relationship can take many years to develop and it involves the threat of coercion but all sorts of psychological controls which separately in themselves may not be criminal acts but all combined together amount to... Uh, a very um, major way of controlling a woman's behaviour and oppressing her. Harriet Wistrich was confident that had the jury known this new information, they would not have arrived at the same decision. She said Sally had acted, quote, out of a sense of total desperation rather than out of jealousy. Wistrich, a champion of women's rights, would be instrumental in successfully campaigning against the early release of John Warboys, otherwise known as the Black Cab Rapist. Warboys was convicted of attacks on a dozen women. However, it is believed by the authorities that his victims may run into their hundreds. By March 2018... Sally had been behind bars for almost eight years following her initial arrest in August 2010, but now, after an appeal from Court 7 at the Royal Courts of Justice, she was granted leave to appeal her sentence. Additional evidence was allowed to be submitted that was not available at the time of her first trial. When agreeing the appeal, Lady Justice Rafferty, along with Mrs Justice Carr and Mr Justice Stuart Smith, said of their decision, It should be plainly understood that the application made today is but one step in what, it is hoped by counsel, those who instruct her and many others concerned in this case, will be a full and detailed exploration of the position based on scholarship, learning and clinical expertise, which should prevail now. A jury, it is argued, should, with the benefit of that learning, be enabled to reach a clear settled conclusion on the basis of an understanding which, it is said, was not available to the jury in 2011. We scrupulously avoid expressing any view on any outcome, but we are persuaded that leave to appeal should be granted. The case was the first of its kind. There was no evidence of visits to accident and emergency, no broken bones, no bruises. Evidence would be mostly anecdotal, from psychological reports and witnesses who had seen firsthand that Sally was the victim of sustained persistent psychological abuse. 
criminologist Dr. Jane Monkton was interviewed and spoke about the legal options available to individuals in Sally's situation. Nobody's denying that Sally Challen killed her husband. What is in argument is whether that was murder or whether that was manslaughter. So there are standard defences for anybody, anybody who is charged with murder to have that reduced to manslaughter. And one of the things is your state of mind when you did that. As the snow fell, along with the campaigners who formed justice for women, David Challen, one of Sally's sons, was pictured outside the Royal Courts of Justice. When questioned after the verdict, David Challen thanked the work done by his mother's solicitor Harriet Wistrich and all those supporters at Justice for Women. I'm overcome, overjoyed most of all, thankful. Thankful we are being allowed the opportunity to explore this issue further, to explore the issues that might have been overlooked or not present during the first trial. There are not many words I can say, but I am optimistic. I think a lot of good can come from this for my mother and for anyone else suffering from mental domestic abuse in reference to coercive control. An even more poignant comment came from David when he spoke to the Daily Mail. The mother I love was perpetually silenced, believing her abuse was normal. I choose to be her voice, speaking out against the life of abuse she suffered. Our mother didn't jump from Beachy Head after she killed my father, because the chaplain asked her to think of me and James, and to stay and see our futures. She now has the opportunity to realise that the abuse she suffered wasn't a wasted life. Because of our mother speaking out, thousands of women could be given the real help they deserve in the future. Sally's defence counsel Claire Wade QC spoke of what was next for the defence and the changes to the law that weren't fully understood at the time of the incident. Quote, We want to be able to deploy the partial defence on the basis of our understanding now, which is broadly that the acts which this appellant suffered do amount to being sufficiently serious and damaging to have caused her extreme harm. The whole thrust of our submission in relation to coercive and controlling behaviour is that it simply was not generally appreciated. The understanding of domestic abuse is in constant flux and constant development. It simply was not as widely known or appreciated as it is now. Two thousand and eighteen came and went, with David Challen continuing to campaign to every major media outlet that would hear him. I still look in the mirror and I still see his face, but we have to acknowledge what he's done. We're not justifying murder. This is not what we're doing. We're recognizing abuse. We're recognizing what happened and how it happened so it never happens again. Sally's other son James supported his mother's cause and along with his brother, they released a joint statement reported through the Observer newspaper. The brothers insisted that the picture painted of their mother by the prosecution during her trial in 2011 was not an accurate one. Addressing the actions of their father, the statement read in part, At first he was charming, but gradually the abuse began. He bullied and humiliated her. 
isolated her from her friends and family, controlled who she could socialise with, controlled her money, restricted her movement and created a culture of fear and dependency. Our father fed into our mother's mind. The abuse she was suffering over 40 years was normal. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand. And now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safer families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to Centair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at Centair.com. Towards the end of February 2019, Sally Challen's case was argued at the Court of Appeal. Fifty of her campaigners stood outside, pictured along with her son David, waving placards that read, Free Sally Challen, Justice for Women. <laughs> Just straight ahead, David. This is probably one of the greatest miscarriages of justice that I've ever, ever seen in my entire life. I mean, Sally Challen, who I visited in prison, is probably one of the most... Um, 
understated women I've ever met. She is strong, and yet she's vulnerable. She has been... Sally's defence team believed her sentence of murder should be reduced to voluntary manslaughter. There were two planks to their argument. One, the fresh evidence on coercive control and the fresh psychiatrist evidence support the proposition that at the time of the killing, Sally was suffering from an abnormality of mind. That expert evidence on coercive control been available at the time of the trial the jury may have reached a different conclusion on diminished responsibility. And two, the fresh evidence also relates to the issue of provocation in that it helps establish Sally was provoked to kill Richard because of his controlling and coercive behaviour. Along with psychological reports and testimony from experts, evidence would include statements from family, friends and neighbours that documented a long-running abusive and controlling relationship. As there had been so much media interest, only a few hours into the proceedings, a bigger courtroom was needed to accommodate the expanding number of onlookers and supporters of Sally's cause. Caroline Carberry QC, who had initially prosecuted the case, informed the appeal judges that it was clear that Sally's thought process was unimpaired. She acted in a logical and coherent way, the QC argued. Maintaining that despite the changes in the law regarding coercive control, there was ample evidence that Sally was guilty of murder and any new evidence regarding this would not change the outcome. Caroline Carberry QC said, There is nothing in the fresh evidence that would render the jury's verdict unsafe, adding that Sally had been following her husband's every move stalking him online, listening to his phone messages and having the neighbour spy on him. The prosecutor went on to say, The introduction into the legal lexicon in 2015, four years post-conviction of the phrase controlling and coercive behaviour, was the popularisation of a new phrase to describe an old and well-understood problem. It is not one upon which juries require expert guidance. Claire Wade QC defending disagreed. The lack of knowledge about the theory of coercive control at the time of the appellant's trial meant that the partial defence of diminished responsibility was not put as fully as it could have been, she told the judges. Had the jury had the benefit of the evidence going to coercive control, as well as an understanding of the dynamic of coercive control, then they would have come to a different conclusion and the appellant would have been convicted of voluntary manslaughter. Dr Tim Exworthy, a consultant forensic psychiatrist who had given expert testimony as part of Sally's defence, explained that he had assessed the now 65-year-old prior to her initial trial, eight years earlier. They had met three times, and he had reviewed her medical history from 1970 to 2010 telling the court why he may not have noticed the multiple disorders he now believes Sally was suffering from. The doctor testified, I think that there are a number of personality disorders that are not as overt as other types of personality disorders. I think the concept of coercive control helps to understand how that can develop. While Dr Tim Exworthy admitted at the time that he was not aware of the term coercive control, He did note several instances where he identified that Sally's behaviour was being controlled. 
Professor Gwen Atshead had assessed Sally four years after her conviction. The psychiatrist testified that Sally was suffering from multiple mental disorders at the time of the killing. This included a severe mood disorder and a borderline personality disorder, both of which would have been difficult to diagnose due to how she had been affected by the coercive control in her marriage. Claire Wade QC addressed this point, saying, She had a prior existing condition which meant that she was susceptible to coercive control, and these symptoms did not emerge properly until the crisis happened, with which the trial was concerned. What they did was they then adduced only evidence that went back to 2004. The evidence all focused on infidelity, her reactions to infidelity, and the deceased's infidelity. The case was condensed down to something which, in truth, if all of her instructions and accounts were taken into account, was not the case. Wade was asked by Lady Justice Hallett, To get this straight in my mind, would a good working title be Psychological Battered Women's Syndrome? Yes, absolutely, Claire Wade QC replied. Lady Justice Hallett was quick to point out that onlookers might believe the appeal was all about coercive control, but it was not. Primarily, it's about the diagnosis of disorders that were undiagnosed at the time of trial, she said. An American academic expert and retired forensic social worker, Professor Evan Stark, gave evidence, speaking about the effects and theory of coercive control. It achieves compliance essentially by making victims afraid and by depriving them of rights, resources and liberties, without which they cannot effectively defend themselves, escape, refuse demands or resist, he said. It produces a hostage-like condition of entrapment, which is not widely understood. The academic, who has written an award-winning book titled Coercive Control, The Entrapment of Women in Personal Life, went on to say, Coercive control only replaced domestic violence as a primary form of abuse when women gained some sort of equality in the home. Under cross-examination by the prosecutor Caroline Carberry QC, Professor Stark was forced to admit, however, that he was not medically qualified, nor had he ever met Sally Challen, though he had sent her questions to answer. Dr Paul Galuli, a consultant forensic psychiatrist who provided testimony for the prosecution during the original trial, told the three appeal court judges that at the time he was of the opinion that Sally Challen was suffering from neither a mental disorder or personality disorder. He based his decision on meetings with Sally and interviews with those people that knew her. In a report he had written while conducting a psychiatric assessment, Dr Galuli wrote, I wonder if she has been listening to this programme on Radio 4 about the woman who has been brainwashed by her husband and ends up killing him. In 2016, a character in the long-running radio drama The Archers stabbed her husband after he psychologically manipulated her, making her doubt her own sense of reality. This behaviour is now referred to as gaslighting. Claire Wade QC said that Dr Galuli's notes on the Archer's story were of significance as it was directly about coercive control. The doctor quickly retorted, 
and said the story was also about a woman who attempts to kill her husband. Dr. Galuli told the court that the personality disorders the defence were describing would usually appear during early adult life or early teens. He could find no evidence of mania, and Sally had only suffered from a few short manic episodes while she was incarcerated. The doctor felt they were not severe. He said, It is a behavioural strategy and not a mental disorder. I don't want to stray far from my area of expertise. Abuse of any sort will ultimately affect people mentally. Did I feel there was any mental disorder at the time of the offence? I've stated no. Looking at PTSD, which I did at the time, I could not find any diagnostic evidence of it at the time. Over the following two days, the appeal judges heard from a number of expert witnesses for both the prosecution and the defence regarding Sally Challen's state of mind and how coercive control and its effects weave throughout the case. The three judges, Lady Justice Hallett, Mr Justice Sweeney and Mrs Justice Chima Grubb, soon came to a decision. After hearing new evidence unavailable to the jury at the time of her trial, they deemed that Sally Challen's conviction for murdering her husband Richard was unsafe. Sally Challen watched all of today's proceedings through a video link from Bronzefield Prison. When the judges read out their decision, she was sobbing and wiping away tears. When they announced her conviction had been quashed, there were cheers and applause from the public gallery. After the verdict was read aloud in the landmark appeal in which the courts had recognised that domestic abuse could not only be physical but psychological, onlookers in the courtroom were told a retrial was to be held. Sally's defence team would be pursuing her release on bail. Her son David spoke to reporters outside the court of appeal. It's an amazing moment, you know. Um, the courts have acknowledged this case needs to be looked at again, as we've always said as a family. Uh, the abuse our mother suffered, we felt, was never recognised properly and her mental condition was not taken into account. You know, as sons, we're getting another shot at uh, our story to be heard, uh, the events that led to our father's death to be heard, and uh, for our mother to have a right shot at freedom. A month and a half after her conviction was quashed, on April 5th, Sally Challen appeared at the Old Bailey via video link from HMP Bronzefield. Dressed in black, she confirmed her name and denied that she murdered her husband Richard. Before Sally was told by Mr Justice Edis that there would be a further hearing in June followed, if necessary, by a trial at the start of July, she received the news that she would be going home. Sally was to be released on conditional bail. She would have to report to a police station twice a week and observe a curfew between 9pm and 9am. The next day, David Challen tweeted a picture of Sally along with her two boys, each holding one of her hands, the three smiling to the camera. Along with the photo, the post read, First day home with our mother, after nine years in prison. 
Almost two months to the day after her release, on June 7th, Sally Challen was told for pleading guilty to the manslaughter of her husband. She was to be sentenced to nine years and four months. The judge, Mr Justice Edis, who was now presiding over Sally's case, acknowledged her husband's infidelity and the, quote, years of controlling, isolating and humiliating conduct Sally suffered. He told Sally, You felt trapped and manipulated because you were trapped and manipulated. Speaking to her sentence for manslaughter, the judge went on to say, Allowing full credit of one-third because it has always been your case that you killed him by reasons of diminished responsibility. That means you have already served an equivalent sentence and are therefore entitled by law to be released at once. The Crown Prosecution Service had accepted the lesser charge following a review of all the medical evidence by an independent consultant psychiatrist, Dr Philip Joseph. He agreed that Sally was suffering from an adjustment disorder, an abnormality of the mind that substantially impaired her mental responsibility for her acts. This was supported by medical reports obtained while Sally was in prison. In a statement issued to the media, the CPS wrote that there had been a significant change from expert evidence previously available and has led us to conclude there is no longer sufficient evidence to proceed on a charge of murder. The CPS were clear to point out that coercive control concerning the defence of provocation was considered as part of the appeal. The Court of Appeal judgment concluded that coercive control is not a defence to murder. The academic expert evidence regarding this subject was ruled inadmissible by the judges. As the CPS concluded the defence of diminished responsibility was likely to succeed, there was no longer a realistic prospect of conviction. From outside the court of the Old Bailey, Sally and her two sons, arm in arm, were surrounded by reporters as they gave a statement. As a family, we are overjoyed with today's verdict. We have enjoyed, endured nine years of this. Today recognises, and here's a case of detailing 40 years of coercive control by our father. As a family, we have sought justice and to understand the events, to stop lives being lost and for victims to be recognised. We thank you for everyone's support. We thank Justice for Women, Harriet Wistridge and Claire Wade. We'll now go to our press conference where we'll speak more about this. I just wanted to say how happy I am and I want to thank my legal team and all my family who stood behind me and stood with me through all of this. Thank you. In a press conference held a few months after her acquittal, Sally acknowledged that she had taken her husband's life spoke of how her family had served her sentence with her and how their support and visits to her in prison had kept her going over the last nine years. 
Many other women who are victims of abuse, as I was, are in prison today, serving life sentences, and I know this because I've met them. They have suffered abuse and other miscarriages of justice and should be serving sentences for manslaughter, not murder. I still love Richard and miss him dreadfully, and I wish that none of this had happened. I've been in therapy now, I suppose, in prison for nearly five years. Um, and throughout it all, I had difficulty moving on from the past. Um, I think through that, though, um, I'm now a much stronger person. And I want to thank Pamela and Karen, they know who they are, for all the support they gave me and listened to me endlessly. Um, I think I'll always love Richard. He's a part of me. After Sally's release, during her first night of freedom, she slept soundly. She moved in with her son James and his wife, who throughout the course of the campaign for Sally's release had remained relatively out of the spotlight. She continued to acclimatise to life on the outside, taking pleasure in the simple things like being able to go to bed or get up when she wanted. After several weeks, she finally managed to take off her wedding ring. She returned to the prison that she had called home for almost a decade, making sure those inmates she had spent so much time with did not feel left behind. Sally now devotes her time to raising awareness about coercive control, speaking at conferences and interviews with the press. Acclimatising to the outside world was challenging, as she did not receive probation support as she had been released for time served. The family celebrated their first Christmas back together in 2019. We knew we weren't sailing into the sunset, David told the reporter Anna Moore. We were going to have to learn to be a family again, and one member wasn't there anymore. Someone, my father, has been lost, so it's a complicated thing to celebrate. I still have love for him. I recognise what happened. But he's still my father. So where are we now? In March 2019, the Office of National Statistics reported there were 17,616 offences of coercive control recorded by the police. This was a sharp increase from the 9,053 the year before and the 4,246 reported in March 2017. While this increase could be attributed to the fact it is a relatively new offence, as it was only signed into law during 2015, these figures are likely vastly underreported, with domestic abuse-related crimes increasing 24%, despite the number of the crimes being prosecuted by the CPS down year on year. Writing an opinion piece for The Guardian after his mother's sentence was commuted to manslaughter, Sally's son David addressed domestic abuse and how it is being prosecuted. He wrote, 
The fact that society is ahead of the CPS in understanding domestic violence is a damaging indictment of the criminal justice system. This is at a time when the domestic abuse bill seeks to bring about real change, yet we are cutting legal aid for victims of abuse. When the criminal justice system fails to recognise abuse in these cases, it is failing to protect both victims of abuse and the perpetrators they kill. Another child will go through what my brother and I have endured, suffering the death of one parent and the failure to recognise the abuse of the other. If you or someone you know is a victim of domestic abuse and you want advice or support, visit victimsupport.org.uk or call the National Domestic Abuse Helpline in the UK on 0808 2000 247. Thank you for listening. A special thank you goes out to our new Patreon producer, Thomas Murray, and everyone who supports us through Patreon. Information on this episode can be found in the show notes or on our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.